When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, and welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. And I'm your host, Nick and Barry, and Boba, Boba, Boba Fett, <laughs> Boba, Boba, Boba. <laughs> That's good. Uh, Ryan could not join us this week. He's moving again. He's actually like driving right now with a like a U-Haul truck full of stuff to his new home in his old hometown. It's so confusing. Anyway, not dead, but just not here. So, do we need to have an intervention? Is he addicted to moving? (laughs) I think so. Yes. Yeah. Next week, we're each going to write him a personal letter that's really (laughs) awkward to read out loud. No, let's do it on the podcast. Let's have an, let's corner him on the podcast next week. Let's do it. Let's get every guest that we've ever had on <laughs> back on to intervene. Anyway, we have friend of the podcast, sister of the podcast, yeah, many time guest, yeah, and co-host Mike Forrester back. What's up, buddy? Hey, I'm ready to talk some boba. Boba, boba, fit. What an episode! Boba. Someone said that Ryan was killed by a rancor. <laughs> yeah, bitten in half. Yeah. Good snack. Clothes and all. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to get straight to it because this is a long episode. There's a bunch of stuff to talk about. No beating around the bush. Stolen plans. What have you done with those plans? That's the quickest we've ever gotten into stolen plans. Two minutes. (laughs) The Book of Boba Fett, Chapter 7, the finale, the season finale in the name of honor. Disney Plus describes it. Vaguely, as always, Boba Fett and Fennec Shand face an escalating conflict. You know what? I think these really short things, I actually like them. They don't say much. It's cool because I I barely even want to see a screenshot when I start something because I always want to go into everything cold. So I back it. Thank you, intern. Thanks, Mark or (laughs) Dave or whatever. What do we call him? Mark the intern. It's Mark. Mark, Mark. Marky Mark. We decided his name was Mark, but he physically was Greg from Succession. (laughs) Mark Greg. Greg Mark. Greggy Mark. (laughs) Marky Greg? Marcus Gregory. Nice. There you go, Mark, Marcus Gregory. His friends call him Marky Greg. Really put a face to the name. <laughs> Released today at the time of this recording, as always, February 9th, 2022. Directed by Robert Rodriguez, executive producer of the whole series. Written by John Favreau, as all but one of the episodes were. Only co-wrote on that last one. But our boy John Favreau, at the desk, with the pen, or the phone, or the laptop, whatever folks do these days. Starring... Tamura Morrison, Ming-Na Wen, Pedro Pascal, of course, the big ones. Corey Burton back as Cad Bane's voice. And I felt like it was worth mentioning, now that we've had some consistency in terms of appearances, the two mods, the two main mods, Sophie Thatcher as Drash and Jordan Bolger as Scad, the the dude with the the eye thing, just on one eye, and then Drash with the, um, you know, the main girl from the trailer with the red arm. You might not have recognized her because of the red arm. Oh, right, right, right. She had a red (laughs) arm, yeah. I was wondering, actually, because I happened to pause right on a spot when they were pulling up to the the starport, you know, and she she had the the arm kind of had the elbow out as she had her hands on the handlebars. I wondered if they, I'd love to see the behind the scenes, if there's anything other than a green sleeve there. Mm. Oh, yeah, true. Because it's just the elbow, really, that would need to be replaced, so, because what was oh, I already know the answer. I was going to ask what the there is a version of that already in the Star Wars universe, and it was L three, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't oh yeah, she there's... in a bunch of the costume practically, and then some of it was green screen. Yeah, and they basically used it. They even though they ended up replacing the whole thing, they used it as reference mm-hmm. rather than you know just winging with the CG. I think that's smart. I'd be surprised if they didn't have something. One hour runtime on this episode, like we mentioned, it's a long one. That's the longest period of any Disney Plus series, right? I think so, yeah. I don't. I think we've gotten a few in the 50. Well, it's definitely the longest of this series, but just as far as live action Star Wars shows go, I don't think 
any Mando has been more than 50-something minutes. The only thing longer would be the Bad Batch premiere. Yeah, yeah. If we want to count that. Sure. First impressions, what'd you guys think? Uh, I I thought it was a big finale. (laughs) You know, I think that they've been teasing a war, so we got the war. We got the battle. I thought it was well done. I did get the sense multiple times that people were actually about to die. Like the mods, I thought they were cornered and I was like, see you guys. And I didn't think Mando and Boba were going to die, but they were, they were stuck for, for a minute where I was like, all right, how do you get out of this? Because they're, they're getting blasted right now. It was cool. You know, like, I don't think I did not go into this thinking that somehow chapter five and six were going to have a huge impact lore-wise, on what happened in 7. I was shocked we saw Grogu, but I'm okay with the fact that, like, I didn't want Luke to show up or something, you know? Like, right. I'm, I'm happy that Grogu just showed up, and Chapter 5 and 6 didn't have the biggest connection lore-wise to what happened in 7. Like, Chapter 7 could have been Chapter 5, really. Right. So, it was cool. I had fun with it, and uh, I feel confident saying season two is happening yeah yeah they left off with a lot of stuff that uh could be happening so i liked it it was cool i did not go into it thinking we were ramping up like chapter seven it was going to be even crazier than chapter six i knew it was going to go back to uh mos Espa and this was going to happen so I'm, I'm happy with what where it wound up how about you mike i'm gonna echo everything that nick said i mean i i feel like moving on yeah if, if you want if you wanted if you wanted to see Boba doing awesome stuff, this was your episode. You know, I yeah. think that was, you know, that we've we've heard from some of the fandom. It's like, oh, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Well, you know what? He used all the weapons. Mm-hmm. He rode a rancor through the town and was just mashing giant droids. I mean, this was the episode that I think people were like, oh, yeah, okay. I wanted a big action scene that that we've gotten used to feeling like when we, you know, a Mando level. I'm like, this is this was the finale for sure. Hey, Mike, were those people that were unhappy before, are they happy now? <laughs> uh, actually, Nick, I think they're just as miserable. It's very interesting. Oh, weird. Oh, strange. It's almost, it's almost like if you live online and just <laughs> let other people commiserate with you, you just end up being more unhappy. <laughs> it's really weird. Really weird. What do you think the chances are that those people are any fun to hang out with in real life? Pretty low. No I'm chance. Low. Okay. I would say most of the accounts that I follow that have been incredibly vocal about being upset about all of this, right, are the people that show up to your Star Wars party. They, they're they wearing a Star Wars t-shirt and their costume is like, oh, I'm a Star Wars virgin. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, they make fun of your, co- they make fun of your things on the wall and they make fun of everything at the party. And then you're like, do you want to help? And they're like, no, I'm just here to just be a, just be a bummer. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, the, you know, were there some things I would have done different from, you know, I would have liked to see a couple things. Sure. But like all in all, man, we saw Moochie. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just thinking that it would be great. But we saw that Rancor doing things we've never seen Rancor do on live action, which is amazing. And I thought the effects look awesome. So this was the finale for season one. I feel pretty confident we're getting season two. Agreed. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed this episode. But I do agree with Nick thinking about how this could have made sense as episode five. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's so hard to put it up against the idea of like Luke Skywalker coming back and all this four stuff happening. Yeah. Because if you pull that stuff out and think about it in the context, it's like, holy shit, all this stuff did happen. This dude's riding the Rancor. He's whipping ass. He's having a, a final showdown with Cad Bane. It's insane stuff. It's all really, really amazing. But you know, expectations have to be throttled when you think about like how five went to six and how just, you know, looking at looking at that on a graph, like it's impossible to please everybody with the finale in that context. Right. That said, again, I loved it. There was so much, so much fun stuff, a lot of really cool humor, a lot of great action, a lot of great callbacks that we'll talk about in the Den of Antiquities. Mm-hmm. I thought it was sick. Do you, is there anything that happened in chapter seven that we necessarily needed to know what happened in five and six. I guess Grogu returning, right? That's the big one. Yeah. So I'm just trying to think culturally, like on earth, would the impact be bigger if this was chapter five and everyone was like, what the hell is chapter six and seven going to be? And it wound up being the Luke and Grogu and Mandalorian 
episodes. And that basically would lead directly into Mandalorian season three. But I guess there's probably not anything else besides Grogu returning, right? Right. I can't think of anything else. Well, Din being ostracized or exiled or whatever was kind of crucial. It was pretty crucial character development leading into that conversation in the sanctuary between Din and Boba. Yes. Yep. Gotcha. I, but I do think we could have completely skipped six in this series mm-hmm. and it could have gone exactly the same. And then we would have gotten in season three of Mando a flashback. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I just wonder culturally, like if the impact would have been like the Star Wars community the last two weeks has been a buzz. I wonder if it would have been the same thing if somehow they figured out how to just be like Boba Fett is the first five episodes. Surprise. Chapter six and seven is basically the beginning of the Mandalorian season three. Like if okay, that would have like the same it. impact. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I think that conversation that they had in the sanctuary, we'll talk about that. I think that was important. Mm-hmm. The two of them for sure. Yeah. So it wouldn't have made sure. sense. They would, if they would have had it in a different spot, but I think it showed their true colors of how they both felt about who they were. They wouldn't have been able to do it at any other time, I guess, knowing what Din knows now. Hmm, I don't know. That's a good question. Well, let's do an overview. We'll almost definitely talk about some things through this, like we have the past couple episodes, and then we'll discuss some more. So we start with Boba and Fennec at Garza Whip's bombed-out sanctuary. The ruins, everyone's dead. It's all charred. We're at war, Boba Fett says. He establishes that right out of the gate. Mando shows up, says Cobb Vanth is rallying the troops. Boba and company are going to stop the spice trade. Fennec says, no, let's make money on that. Boba says, no, let's not. (laughs) The mods show up. They get on the same page. Everybody, they decide they're going to post up in the sanctuary. Back in Mos Eisley, Cad Bane meets with the mayor of Mos Espa. Surprise, he's there with the leader of the Pike Syndicate. Their little bad dude hive is is cooking up all the crap. The Pike leader admits killing the Tuscans and framing the Nikto biker gang. Bane plans to go draw Boba out. Nighttime, same day, X-Wing shows up at Pelimato's shop. At first, like, were you guys thinking like, wait a minute, they're not really bringing Luke into this, right? Like, I was wondering, like, is he, he going to be like, nuh-uh, yeah. nobody's <laughs> taking over my hometown. Yeah. And then I was like, How could you not think that? That was part of like a 10-second misdirection. I was like, yeah. oh my God, no, what? Because I, I mostly was like, if I'm going to start being nitpicky at all, I was like, Luke can have nothing to do with this war right now. Yeah. Like, you can't have a Jedi on the side of Boba Fett and explain that. Boba Fett and Luke are buddies now. Like, I don't want that two-minute explanation. That's heavy. So it made more sense that R2 was his Uber driver and (laughs) was just dropping (laughs) off Grogu. I dug that. But yeah, for the first, when I saw the X-Wing, I was just like, no way. Well, how are they going to do this? Similar to the the way I thought Chapter 16 of Mando. I saw that X-Wing and I was like, how are they going to do this? And they wound up doing it. They didn't do it in this one, though. Thankfully. <laughs> yeah, that would have been some serious, like, little kids in a sandbox. Like, oh, no, oh, he could do it because this. Like, yeah. that would, you just, yeah, you can't work that out in 10 minutes. So, R2 is flying, as Nick said. Grogu's inside wearing his little chainmail shirt. He's made the decision. Next morning, Boba, Fennec, Din, and the Major Domo discuss the plan. They're going to have teams posted. This is a very, like, Ocean's Eleven moment. They're going to have teams posted in each key territory watching for the first attack, they'll alert the others of when this is supposed to happen. The Gamorrean guards in the Clatoonian territory at the Starport, Black Kersantan in the Transocean territory at City Hall, and the Mods in the Aqualesh Quarter slash Workers District. Cad Bane shows up at the Sanctuary, wants to shoot out, Boba wants to go for it, Fennec talks him out of it, says, you'll have your moment, we need to get our stuff together, basically. Cad Bane says to Boba, you're going soft in your old age. And Boba says, We all do. Pretty grown-ass perspective for Boba. Boba, you changed. Yeah, bro, I'm old. <laughs> Look at the size of my neck and my midsection. <laughs> the mods then call in, let them know that something weird is going on, and then all of a sudden the families and the locals start attacking. Turns out it's all a trap, treaty broken. Apparently they're paid off by the pikes, and it's just a better bet is what it turns out to go with the bikes. The Gamorreans are killed. BK is taken down. The mods are cornered. Everything's looking bad. This is what Nick was talking about earlier, about it really looking like some bad stuff was going to happen. I mean, they threw the Gamorreans off a cliff. That was rough. I was feeling it too, man. Like, oh, wow. 
this is the stuff that people have been wanting. Stakes are up. The stakes were real. Like you almost know in a, a movie watching sense that they are okay, but this was closer than normal, I feel like. Yeah, because ultimately every character on screen in this show, right? Every single one of them can die. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen any of them after this in the timeline. So yeah, anyone's fair game. And Chrysanthemum too. They were really cutting him up. And, and yeah. I was just like, no way is he going to die. But they kept like blasting him and getting him cut up. And I was just like, oh my God. And then he was okay. But they were really pushing a lot of these moments where I was just like, oh my goodness. Like, are we going to lose somebody <laughs> of importance here? Yeah. I love that they put Chrysanthemum in Trandoshan. They were like, you, you hate yeah. the Trandoshan. <laughs> Let's put you right here in their territory. Yeah. <laughs> he's just looking around like, oh, he's like, I wish a motherfucker would. <laughs> so the team retreats back into the sanctuary. Fennec then leaves to go take out the leaders in the hideout in Mos Eisley. But she stops by to help the mods, snipes a bunch of bad guys. The pikes then show up at the sanctuary. Boba and Denton are pinned down. They're basically screwed. They're in that Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid kind of moment, which we'll talk about later. Din says, we'll both die in the name of honor. This is the way. Great moment. Mm -hmm. The Major Domo then chimes in and offers to go out and negotiate. There's a funny little monologue by him. Boba uses this as cover to attack. It's jetpack time. Finally, like full-blown jetpack time, a gun battle ensues. The Freetown people show up with an assault vehicle, which we'll mention later, followed by the mods, then BK. Everybody's back together. They get a little victory, a short-lived victory, because these giant battle droids show up. We'll talk about them later, too. They have shields. We're screwed. Boba goes to get help. A second wave of the gun battle ensues. Pelly, in the middle of all this, shows up with Grogu on the, uh, what do you call that thing? Um, a rickshaw. On yeah, a rickshaw, rickshaw. <laughs> yeah. Which was very, there were moments, not the entire rickshaw scene, but there were a couple of shots where it was very Indiana Jones. Yeah, yes, agreed. yes. I'm like, I, I keep liking Pelly more and more. Great. You know, great. and it was, it was such a great, like, just like you said, Indiana Jones, like comic relief mixed in the action mm-hmm. kind of moment where she's like, yeah. hey, look who's here. Oh, shit. Yeah. You know, it's such good casting because, you know, when you have whether it's Marvel or Star Wars and you have jokes written in, not everyone's a comedian. Not everyone has good comedic timing. Like Amos Sedaris is one of the funniest people of our, our generation. So like, right. It's very genuine her comedy so it doesn't not fit in star wars because it's very genuine it's not like you're asking like oscar isaac to be goofy right like she's a very suitable physical comedian it just fits in star wars i mean she legitimately lost a tooth and (laughs) made it made it funnier and And rolled with it for the rest of the episode yeah absolutely (laughs) i hope she doesn't get it fixed (laughs) i hope she puts a little gold thing in there like a little piece oh the mod yeah. Bring to the mod bar. Nice. All right, back to the overview. So everyone was kind of screwed, right? Pelly's there in the middle of it all. And then Boba shows up riding the Rancor, as promised. Helps fight one of the battle droids. They're taking it down. Din's in there with the Darksaber. Grogu ends up using the Force to cripple this battle droid. And then the Rancor fully takes it out. And then on to the next one. Same thing. Minus the Force. Cad Bane then shows up. Hits the Rancor with a flamethrower. Tosses Boba off. Rancor runs away. Boba and Cad Bane have their showdown, finally. Boba loses the quick draw. Ends up winning, ultimately, with the gaffy stick. Nice. Cad Bane's probably dead, but his chest lights are still blinking. Mm-hmm. Who knows where a heart is on a Duros. Ooh, good point. Um, it's in their butt. <laughs> <laughs> it's in my lower right thigh. <laughs> There's a great moment in Star Trek V where... Um, I think it's Kirk kicks this dude in, in the knee in this standoff. They're in like a prison camp. It's this like huge alien dude. He kicks him in the knee and he just goes down and he's just out. And he's like on the ground. <laughs> he, he's like, I, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how I beat that guy basically. And she goes, not all species keep their genitals in the same place, Admiral. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's in his butt. <laughs> Let's see. Um, the Rancor is then on a rampage. So they basically won this war in the streets, but the Rancor is now just tearing things up. The mods and the townspeople are blasting him. Din flies up, tries to wrangle him down, fails. He tries to eat Din, but can't bite through the Beskar twice. It's pretty goofy, but I loved it. He tosses Din like a rag doll. 
that's a far drop too. There, there was one moment where I was like, and this is like some Iron Man stuff. Like he would be <laughs> screwed. He would be yeah. like really messed up. I mean, minimum, what, like two-story house? Probably more like a three-story house? Yeah. That's pretty far. I mean, yeah. he, but he, you remember he fell off a sand crawler, too. That was a... Yeah, this is true. They, like, you know, when the Jawas, like, zapped him and he just, like, lands. He's used to that. Grogu then uses the Force again to tame the Rancor, put him to sleep. Sleeping, not kill him. Grogu's all worn out, cuddles up with the Rancor. It's the cutest thing I've ever seen. We then cut to Fennec showing up at the bad guy hideout in Mos Eisley. Kills the Pike leader, the family leaders, and the mayor. Hangs him. Brutal. Disney Star Wars. That's some Rodriguez stuff. Master assassin, Fennec Shand. That was a master class in, in assassination. Master classination. <laughs> nice. Master class assassination. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> she then rejoins the whole team. They squat up at the end. She's having this conversation with Boba. He's like, man, we're not suited for this. And she says, if not us, then who? The Mando theme plays here. Interesting that it's like we're wrapping up this chapter fully with this Mando theme. It's Din flying away with Grogu into space. It's like the the cutest puppy who wants attention moment. It reminded me so much of my dogs, like scratching at the back door, like at my chair, like play with me, play with me. He wants Din to hit the, I forgot what Pelly called it, wants him to hit the NOS basically. Finally, he's like, okay, but this is the last time. He hits it. They take off. Roll the credits. Post-credit scene on this one, as we expected, in Boba's palace. It's Cobb Vanth in Boba's back to tank. And then the Modsmith, played by Thundercat, is there as well. He turns around, fires up his little torch, cut to black. Series end. Dang. Dang. That was it. Season one end, probably. Yeah, yeah. So now I'm going to ask, though, is Cobb Vanth became a fan favorite, I think. Maybe did they know that? I mean, you hire... Timothy Olfen, who's like the most handsome dude ever. Yeah. Famous for playing cowboys at this point. Plays a space cowboy. Let's talk speculation at the end. I'm curious because maybe Rangers of the New Republic got changed to mm. fit him in there. Yeah, I thought about that too. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you now you've got this merry band of people on. Is he technically, because you remember in the, in two, was it last episode? I guess it was last episode. He points to his belt and saying these stripes mean I'm the marshal. Like that's yeah. that's basically like he's New Republic then, huh? Because Cara Dune was also a marshal, right? Mm. Right. And she had those stripes on her little medallion thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder if he's actually New Republic at this point. Probably. But I did think that. I was like, Ranger of the New Republic might have pivoted here. Right. To give handsome and funny. Damn you, Timothy Oliphant. He's hilarious. Right, no, he's got the he's the whole package, isn't he? Like in real life, he's hilarious. It's it's not fair. Oliphantastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe they pivot and give him some sort of series. I back it. I'm down. Carson Teva. Yeah, definitely. Boba. Yep. I could see it. All right, let's discuss a little bit. Mike, you have a couple things in here in the discussion. First one about Mando and Boba having that discussion. Well, I'll, I'll let you take it from here. Sure. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> the conversation that the two of them had, I thought was it was a subtle moment that was actually quite important because you've got Boba who's watching everyone that said that they would partner with him or everyone that he was, you know, because his big thing was like, are they going to be loyal to us, right? That was a theme going on through the whole thing. All these people saying, oh, of course, you're in charge here now. And he knew that everyone was basically lying to him. So this is, again, another point of Boba's journey in being alone. And he's like seeing this all happen as he was supposed to be, you know, the head honcho. He's supposed to be the the new mayor of this town and everyone left him again. So Mando saying, I won't leave you, Though he says by creed, it's almost like Han and Luke having that, you know, Han looking over and being like, wait, you believe in this stuff, kid? The force? Like, you know, yeah. you believe in all this stuff? And Luke's like, yeah, I do. And and Boba looks over and kind of like, you believe in the creed? You believe in all that stuff? And that's when Mando says, this is the way. So I think that was a really important conversation to consider because Boba is like, maybe this guy's onto something. Because of all the people that left me, he hasn't. And yeah, that's important in my opinion. I, I I would imagine this was, you know, part of the conversation in writing or part of the thinking. It's just like Luke and, and Han in the sense that it took someone bringing Han in and, and making him part of this new little family for him to 
slightly turn over a new leaf from his scum and villainy history, right. you know, his scoundrelous ways, you know? So it, I think that was an essential part mm-hmm. going forward as all these stories overlap because Boba's not done like at all. Right. There's no way. Right. But like I've been championing for, you know, I think a lot of people are like, oh, Boba, like he, they made him soft and blah, blah, blah. But like, if you remember at the end of the show, he specifically looks over at Fennec and goes, this isn't for us. Yeah. And I've been saying since day one, they are setting up Boba to be a much bigger part in Star Wars than just a bounty hunter who's been looking for jobs. And I think that this establishes that he doesn't want to just be, you know, I don't want to be the mayor. This is too political. There's too many people out here. When after he says like, you know, he tells Fennec we've been hunted and worked for idiots forever. I think that conversation with Din ties in. He's like, maybe I do need to get reunited with these people who are actually loyal. So we'll see. Another thing that I thought was kind of cool. Did anyone else get a like a Order 66 vibe from Din and Boba just getting... They clearly have enough tricks in the bag that they're just overpowered by sheer numbers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? I like, I just got this idea that, you know, you're that like. That moment with Chrysanthemum too, just had a bunch mm-hmm. of Trandoshans on him. Right. Just right. fully overpowered. Right. Cause you're sitting there, you know, as a kid or when you know, I'm, I was 18 when I saw Revenge of the Sith, but like Order 66 happens and you're like, what? Like, but they're Jedi. Can't they just use the force? And it's like, clearly they couldn't. It's like that age-old question, like how many little kids could you take on before they, you know, it's like you go to a playground and be like, I could take 25-year-old kids. Yeah. It's a moment from Step Brothers. But like 25, though. You're going to lick that white dog poop. <laughs> yeah. back. lick the... Yeah. So anyways, I just, I got some, you know, because they're both just getting blasted and their armor, Beskar holds up. It's good to see. But I just thought that was a really interesting kind of callback to being like, this is what happens when even the most powerful people in the galaxy meet sheer numbers. Going back to your comment before of Boba having a bigger story in all of this. Mm -hmm. Again, it's right under our nose. Thrawn is coming. Ahsoka series is coming. This is the beginning of the Mando verse. So there's no way Boba Fett is just going to be in the corner in Mos Espa being the mayor or whatever, being the, you know, like being in charge of Jabba's palace. Like right. He is going to be a part of this bigger picture. So not to be worried. This is a story. I guess it's a book that has to do with Boba for a minute. And he is going to have a, a larger role, I would assume, in all of the major story leading up to the sequel trilogy. 100%. All right. That's the meat of the discussion that we were kind of planning on. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see what else comes out of the den here because... There's some fun stuff. Here we go. For over a thousand generations. It is the dark side. Oh gosh. It's a Kalikori. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. I want to start these deep cuts with a very meta line in this show. When R2-D2 tells Peli Grogu's actual name, she says, (laughs) Well, that's a terrible name. No way I'm calling you that. You think about when this was written and produced, that was right probably around the time when they were actually, when Grogu's name was actually coming out and, you know, Favreau was like, yeah, watch this shit. Yeah. You know, (laughs) it's just so clearly directed at the fans, the toxic fans and their shit response. Speaking of calling things things, Cad Bane uses the exact same idiom, little saying Boba uses in last season of The Mandalorian. He says... If that's not the quack to call in the stifling slimy. Nice. So that's the same line that Boba said to Cosca Reeves in Mando. The interesting part about that is that since Bane trained Boba, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about shortly. Yes. Boba almost definitely learned that phrase from him. And the two creatures that are referenced in that saying are both from Cad Bane's home planet of Duro. That's cool. I like that. Like that a lot. In the, is this the same conversation when Cad Bane's trying to convince Boba Fett that the Pikes killed the Tuscans? He's revealing that to him. He says, you know it's true, which evokes, of course, Vader's line to Luke in The Empire Strikes Back. Search your feelings, you know it to be true. Yeah. A little subtle nod. Black Kersantan's Trandoshan takedown when they all kind of piled on him, that was purposeful. Just like putting him in that spot with them. I think that's building hopefully to something that we'll talk about in speculations that I've talked about before that's building towards something. And it references the history between Trandoshans and Wookiees and how they were pieces of shit to the Wookiees. K 
Can we side note real quick and also talk about how Santo took that pike through him and then <laughs> blasted him in midair? Yes. That was sick. So sick. Just chucks him and then blasts him and then the pike goes flying from the blast. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> he, it's strange. I mean, it was like, yes. So That's good. That's just straight up mean. <laughs> this next one is a prop that Mike noticed. Tell us about this, Mike. All right. So the Bolatronic 1980 handheld bowling game, which is, I mean, this, you guys, this was a, this was a peak digital experience back then. The, uh, the tablet that Boba uses to, you know, list out his list out his terms of surrender, which ended up basically being like, tell the pikes to shove it. It's yeah, it's it's just a it's a great throwback to how the prop makers in the original trilogy and you know this is the uh, you know what was this the ski ball thing hanging up in Anakin's <laughs> in Anakin's uh, yeah. tinkering garage. Yeah. You know this is just them finding props and they took the buttons off and they re they put different. Looks like they put different acrylic buttons on there. So uh, this is a classic Star Wars move right here. Go find some crazy stuff from the vintage, you know, go to your local Goodwill and uh, repurpose some stuff and call it something different. That's Star Wars, baby. Sweet. The Another callback to that same era, basically, the Freetown people's speeder, when they show up as reinforcements and they, they got that big speeder that has the, the turret on the top, that is... Obviously a modded version, but the same speeder, the V-35 Courier is what it's called. I learned this today, but it's the land speeder that Owen and Baru had in the garage. So we see Luke when he's giving 3PO the oil bath and he's, you know, that whole conversation where he meets the droids at the beginning of episode four. That's the thing parked in the back of the garage. And when he first comes out, when he finds out that R2's gone, he kind of hits that thing. It looks like a, like a garage door opener or whatever. And he's like, burp. And 3PO comes out and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, he's lost his marbles, whatever. That's the speeder parked right there. And then there's another one. I think it's in Clone Wars a few times, but same thing. Got that really vintage, like pointy, angular nose looking kind of thing. Love it. The droids, the like the big battle droids, the kind of the main opponents in the fight in the streets, those are called officially Scorpionek Annihilator Droids. Pelly actually calls out the name Scorpionek. This is their canon debut. They appeared in Legends novels, have only ever been seen in concept art visually. They were designed as an evolution of the Phantom Menace Droidica destroyer droids, you know, from the very beginning. Yeah, mm -hmm. totally. They're supposedly going to be used in um, Attack of the Clones. I think maybe it was also brought up as an option in episode three, but didn't happen until now. I mean, destroyer droids are pretty brutal to begin with. Yeah. Let alone one that's like 20 times the size. Right. <laughs> pretty brutal. Moving on, the Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid reference that we mentioned earlier, there's quite a bit here. So the last stand suicide shootout conversation that Din and Boba have when they're trying to decide what to do. They're in the sanctuary. It's just the two of them. It's uh, the thing about the creed and this is the way, that whole thing that Mike talked about earlier. That is very, very, very reminiscent of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the final scene there, where they go out in a blaze of glory. And then, supposedly, I didn't reference this myself, but somebody mentioned this, the wall where the Freetown citizens are hiding, and it's kind of all shot up, and they're, they're shooting over it, you know, they're using it as cover. That supposedly looks very similar to the spot where Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid were holed up for that final stand. Pretty sick. And I, I love the idea of, of Boba... And Mando being like Butch Cassidy, you know, being like a Western duo. Mm -hmm. I just think it's so sweet. Yeah, Logie Wan in the chat definitely brought up something. He was like, it's interesting to see Chris Hansen and Rancor actually trying to push through the shields, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you, you look at it and be like, well, you know, it's been a long time since the Federation. And we have, uh, you know, a couple of years to maybe improve the design. And so, you know, I saw a lot of people being like, Oh, and the Phantom Menace, you just have to move slow and you walk through it. It's like, well, that was a long time ago. And I <laughs> yeah. feel like at one point they used to put a motor in the back of a Pinto and then people started getting rear-ended and exploding. <laughs> so they decided to put the motor not in the back anymore. So they upgraded. So if maybe they, maybe, they, maybe they improved after 40 years. Not crazy. Everyone relax. There was that line, though, about the energy 
energy weapons were too much right. or something, and then the the speed of the whatever else was was too much as well. Right. And it also calls back to that training. Yeah, the Clone Wars. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, where Anakin and Ahsoka and Obi Wan were training the that little rebel cell with Saw and yeah, Saw, yeah, yeah. Saw Guerrero's uh, rebel little rebel sect. Yeah, how to roll detonators slowly mm-hmm. right. to the edge of the shield, and then they would walk over it and it would explode. So loved it. Deep reference to that. Um, Boba riding the Rancor. The the very idea of this. We've talked about this before. It's definitely a ho- holiday special reference. Him riding that dinosaur that pseudo brontosaurus kind of thing and then the mention of i've ridden beasts 10 times this size and so on here it is finally happening this part i loved so much this is pretty deep boba and cad bane in their standoff the line from boba i'm not a little boy any longer that's a clone wars reference because for those who aren't familiar with the clone wars boba met cad bane in prison in the Clone Wars season four, Boba was a little kid, but already a little shit disturber. So he was in jail. Boba then became Bane's apprentice, taught him about bounty hunting, even though he treated him like hell was terrible to him. He nonetheless taught him everything he knew. Essentially they split at some point when Boba started working for the empire. Cad Bane as terrible as he was, didn't trust the empire. He didn't want to, didn't want to have anything to do with it. So they split. So there's all that history talking about. I'm not a little boy anymore. Mm-hmm. Then the line when Cad Bane says, this isn't the first time I beat you out on a job, possibly most likely a reference to the Clone Wars season seven story that was scrapped, was pre-visualized, but never made. This is before we got Disney Plus and we, we got everything. That's where the standoff with Boba and Cad Bane originally happened. It was supposed to have given Boba his dent on his helmet, and that's where Cad Bane got the metal plate on his head. Right. So this is in a way now canonized, I would say. I thought we were going to get that. I assumed and I would have loved, very possible it could be for season two. They're holding it off, right? And this gives me more thought that maybe Bane is still alive. I did think that we were going to get a flashback mm-hmm. because I think what what probably is frustrating for people is this character gets introduced. Clearly, they have a lot of history. And he said that just stabby line of like, You gave it a shot. You tried to go straight. Like you've got your father's blood pumping through your veins. Yeah. And I was like, man, that's a slight because you clearly know that Boba knows that like he was cast out. He'll he'll never be accepted by your true Mandalorian Bo-Katan, right? Because they think that Jango is was the ultimate traitor that sold Mandalorian blood, right? So I think it was just another slight to be like, you got daddy issues and I'm just going to make you feel bad before I kill you. You know, it just goes to show like Bane is just like your classic scumbag. But I thought that was also interesting because him getting over that is like one step beyond Boba becoming different than who his past was. I'm telling you, these lines, Favreau wrote these lines on purpose and I think there's something bigger there for sure. And again, I'm going to go back and watch it, but like that thing on his chest was still blinking. You know, I could also see like if they move his body or they do something in, you know, opening of season two, like Toto rolls out, sprays him with back to something. And all of a sudden, yeah. he, well, you know, what took your chassis so long? <laughs> Whatever he said. <laughs> yeah. to him. So we'll see. It was interesting. I just thought that that was an interesting line that he put in there by saying that you've got your father's blood running through you. I think that's another great way to potentially link this and link Boba to the Bad Batch and bringing the Bad Batch to live action. Mm-hmm. Again, it's just opening all these doors. There's nothing about the Book of Boba Fett that is closed now. Season two is obviously happening and he's going to be in and out of all the other series, just like the other characters are all in and out of this one. I think it's dope. I'm super excited. Especially the ending of, not the episode, but the ending of the Boba Fett chapter was just like the mods, Black Chrysanthemum, Boba and Fennec standing there chatting and then it just fade the camera slowly moves up that's like of such an open-ended ending right there like that almost seemed like this story's done but it also feels like there's more there's another season coming for sure it's very strange like the ending of it was like this has no finality to it but that story does so I don't know what the next season is going to bring us unless 
maybe there's no second season. It's just these characters are in Mando now or these characters are in Ahsoka. It, it really, I think that's something that we all have to wrap our heads around is that we're watching something that is going to be very fluid as far as who's in what. Yeah. It's all one big story, like we keep talking about. Mm -hmm. All right, let's wrap up these um, Dan items here. The Rancor on the tower, climbing up at the end. Straight up King Kong. Yep. If you if you didn't see that as a viewer, are you are you from here? Right. Are you from Earth? <laughs> um, if you're nine years old, maybe you don't get it. But yeah, straight up King Kong. Which we've which we've seen that before, of course, in the Zillow Beast. Right? Yes. So that's another classic nod. Boba's Rancor eating the pike. That shot. Even the movement, like they had to have referenced this specifically. It was straight up the same shot as Jabba's Rancor eating a Gamorrean. Yep. The way he swallowed him down. I give it a couple of days and someone will do a side-by-side. -side. Yeah. It's the exact same shot. The Rancor then, Nick, you mentioned this one earlier, the Rancor lifting up the pike for Boba to shoot. Yeah, very sick. And then the Rancor throws the pike and the pike does half of a Wilhelm scream. Yes. Yeah. It like fades yeah. off kind of. Pretty cool. And then lastly, because we mentioned the Boba 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 Fett vocal in the score <laughs> earlier, last one is something that we missed in the second or third episode, I think, the Meloon fruit at the end, the little... Meloon. Uh, they call it a, a, a Meloon. Meloon. Mm -hmm. That little melon that, that they reference, that is from Rebels. Yes. There's a whole episode about stealing some of those, and there's a whole thing, so they're all over the place there. I think it's the opening episode. I think it's where they realize that Ezra is pretty talented at being scoundrelly, yeah. you know? And uh, so he goes to steal those. Or I think, I, I can't remember, he deals it for someone else or just, or, you know, yeah, it just shows that he's kind of like basically a space Aladdin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, let's move on. I love you. I know. Favorite quote, favorite scene, favorite moment, one of each. Or just one, whatever you want. Nick, go first. I, I'm going to go with that scene that we just talked about. I, the first time, well, last night while I was watching it, and the Rancor and Boba worked in unison where he just picked up that pike, Boba shot it, and then the Rancor threw it. I was just like, yes, that is awesome. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so that's, that's going to be a very specific scene. I mean, it's hard to say like, how many times have we, have we seen Grogu do the cutest thing ever and it's still the cutest thing ever? Like, it's not getting old. So right. I, like, I'm, him nestling up to the Rancor is just the cutest thing I ever saw. How about of all time? <laughs> Mike, what about you? I mean, I think the Rancor would have been an obvious choice. You know, Fennec just doing Fennec. I mean, gosh, talk about consistency, right? Fennec. Slaying. Crush. I mean, slay, girl. I actually, I think my favorite scene that got me so geeked was actually seeing din and boba like fly out of the back mm. and just start blasting fools like i loved yeah. watching them work in tandem i thought that was awesome uh seeing boba you know use all the all the tools in the arsenal seeing the the knee darts are like my favorite thing when they go <laughs> off and you know boba's rather acrobatic dude he did one sick pose with them too that i laughed That's at right. the he second like time he used it yeah he was just very like yeah it was also very um like muay thai mm. yes you know what i mean that pose mm -hmm. yes the the defense and put your knee up yeah so i thought i thought that was awesome i really just any i'm pretty much anytime the mandalorians fly i'm like i like this this yeah. is cool yeah. I had a thought when it came to that, like, because some, you know, detractors out there are saying, like, why don't these people use their jetpacks more or why don't they use their weapons more? I'm like, well, it's a storytelling tool. It's more impactful the less you use it. If we saw them flying around all the time, it wouldn't be as cool. So when they finally were together flying around, it was just like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I'm glad I didn't see it the first five episodes, you know, or six episodes, whatever it was. It was just so much right. more impactful when they finally did it. Right. And used sparingly, like when Din gets knocked off the platform and then just like whoosh, pops yep. back up. Oh man. And we'll see plenty of it in Mando season three when they all, mm. you know, the rise of Mandalore, it's going to happen. The war for Mandalore. Yeah. I think my favorite it's, I can't pick one or the other. So I'm going to cheat and combine the two showdowns between Boba Fett and Cad Bane, really the dialogue between the two of them. Cause I think Cad Bane just looks so incredible and is so scary 
and anyone who has any problems with his facial proportions or the color, get out of here. He looks so badass. That mm-hmm. was a cartoon. He looks amazing. Yep. And the way he's performed with and the the way the makeup helps the performance actually, where the the mouth is is very expressive, the teeth are terrifying. When he starts bringing up that old stuff, and especially like in the in the first showdown when Boba's like, "I can take him, I can take him," like get off my back, you know. When when Fennec's trying to talk him down, I think all that tension is so badass. Mm-hmm. I think this version was even cooler than the the showdown with Cobb Vanth because it was still Western, but wasn't so on the nose Western copy. Mm-hmm. It, it was a little more just emotional. So overall, I think that that was my favorite. There are also lots of like little one-liners throughout this that I, that I think were super funny that I don't know off the top of my head. And I actually think the major domo was the funniest and best used in this episode. Uh, he, he has a college degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He learned, what did he say? He went to school in Coruscant or he's performed Coruscant? Yeah. Not that that makes me better than anyone. Yeah. 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 Just seeing him, there was a one shot and a little bit of dialogue. So just seeing Pelimato and Major Domo together, it was cool to put the two comedic actors together. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they both are good at comedy in real life. So it was cool for them to see, uh, to share a scene together. And then screaming together, like yeah. Bloody Murder was it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. What was that? That was a reference to something like an 80s, not a horror movie. I mean, but that that's a thing. That That's a little bit of like a... Oh, um, the camera zooming in and like, yeah, and it ah, seemed like it was coming towards them. Yeah, for it sure. It was almost 100%. like, a, you know, a parody of a horror movie that would be in a comedy. And then this is a reference to that parody. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. It feels like Wayne's World in a way. You mean I to tell know. me that Robert Rodriguez took inspiration from something else? <laughs> Are you A horror me? movie of all things. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it to be slightly specific. And then generally speaking, I, I, I love Tatooine more and more. Every time I see it, that opening shot, that early morning shot, the long shadows where you see half of inside the canyon still has their lights on and the other half is kind of waking up. It was just beautiful. I, I, I want so badly to turn this whole room I'm in into a tattooing building, you know, on the inside, yeah. fake stone and all, or, or <laughs> go build one somewhere. It's just, I, I love it. Um, I also want to say, last thing where I'm talking about things that I love, I noticed this before, but it really stood out. There was one expression where Black Kersantan kind of raised an eyebrow at somebody and mm-hmm. it made it clear that there are some, there's some people with controllers somewhere animating his face. It's not all just jaw open and closed like Chewie was. And there's so much more expression in that brow than Chewie. And not that Chewie's not great and perfect for what he is, but this is just so much more and I think it's brilliant. All right, let's wrap up. Let's do a little recap on our, our past predictions and then predict what's next and get out of here. So we finally did get the question answered. Is the Rancor Keeper lying? Nope. Good stuff. Will Boba see, uh, will we see Boba ride the Rancor? Yep. There it is. Bosk. I thought Bosk was going to show up. Same. The conflict setup between him and BK seemed so legit. Yep. Not yet. Maybe that's next season. But he's got to come back, right? Man, I was tripping. At one point, I was tripping when uh, the Gamorians were about to face off against who did they fight? It wasn't the, was it the Aqualish? Uh, Clatoonians. Clatoonians. Yeah. Okay, so I was tripping. It was you know late at night. I was tired when the train was passing and the Clatoonians were behind the train. Oh yeah. I swore yeah. for a second I saw Dengar and I was like, wait, did I just see Dengar? Who else was there? And it yeah. just wound yeah. up not being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought we were getting all those those bounty hunters. I thought that was a reveal for a second, but sure. I was just tired and. Maybe I was high. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Could be it. Spice. So what's next? Predictions, loose ends. Still, we have a few uh, looming loose ends. Like what really happened with the huts? There's no way the huts are just truly out. I feel like that was a red herring, but mm-hmm. obviously not one that's relevant to this season. The warrior woman cannot be declared dead. Right. Still from the Tuscans. Yep. That's maybe next season. We'll see the quote. What about the scars on the inside? Hmm. That's a whole emotional character development journey. That was one thing I did notice by the end of this season was we've mentioned on previous episodes that he kept going to this Attack of the Clones flashback where mm-hmm. he was watching, you know, little baby Bobo was watching Django leave and we were wondering where it was going. We never saw the end of that. Like what, mm-hmm. like, is that a waste of time? Like literally what was the point of that? Aside from the one line from Cad Bane, 
Yeah. Right. But but again, it goes to show like Boba is finding his tribe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that conversation with Din was really important. But yeah, it, I, I think the one thing, if they could do anything, just stop calling it, what, you know what I mean? Stop calling it Book of Boba Fett and then just have it be Star Wars TV. It's a Star well, Wars TV I've had show. that conversation with my buddy online is definitely just messing with me. He's, he's sure. fake bullying me. And he's like, yeah. you know, doing the whole Boba Fett's not even in it thing. And I'm just like, yeah. dude, it's all Star Wars, you know? Like right. that's where, that's almost the point that they're trying to make is that it's all the same thing. Right. You don't complain when Captain America Civil War has that scene, you know, like that one scene in, in yeah, the airport right. where it's it's basically everybody shows up and fights each other. Right. It's right. like, no, just you be, just think yeah. it's awesome because yeah. it's all Marvel. And you don't say like, well... Captain America was just like one of those characters. Why is his name <laughs> yeah, on there? I, like, have I fun. Wish... Have fun for once in your life. And Captain America would have been the one inside the SUV instead of <laughs> Nick Fury. He really ruined it. The whole thing's ruined. No. Yeah, I think I think leading up to everything, just kind of given and they're not they're not dumb. They know that I, I guess stepping out of our our nerd sphere, um, the Disney earnings came in today. Mm. And Disney Plus crushes. It crushes. It exceeded yeah. expectations, the amount of money that they got, the viewership, everything. Disney Plus, they are crushing it. And I think they knew those numbers. And I think that we are literally getting in the saddle for so much content. Because yeah. look at what look at what they haven't done in movie theaters. And they're probably sitting here going, We release one movie a year, if that. Which granted, I hope they they do they still do, right? But they just got people to pay for roughly a movie ticket a month for 12 months. <laughs> yeah. Feet, you know what Continuously. I mean? Continuously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's like if you would have gone to see Marvel and Star Wars, those are the only two movies you go see in the theater. They got you for 30 bucks maybe. And the other thing is you got to pay the movie theater to do that. Yeah. So they get a half of that cut, right? If now that, Disney yeah. gets all the cut. That's so, all earnings, right? Parks and everything, right? Um, I believe it's entertainment be, right? division is different than parks, but I mean, oh, so Disney, what they I mean, reported on today was just, was just Disney plus, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so you can, you dude. can check that out, but I mean, basically they're stoked. And from my friends that are working on the inside are saying they're pretty much green lighting lots of stuff. I mean, this really could be, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, some complaints from people, which I don't really have an argument with is that like good storytelling isn't necessarily just characters you like showing up, you know? And like, I understand what they're saying, but I really do think that this all for two and a half seasons of Mandalorian and Boba might really just be an actual big setup. I'm hoping that's where they're going because they're going to like, if I hope that they're not masking storytelling for exciting moments for giant nerds like us, I don't, Mm -hmm. I hope that's not the plan. I hope that it's all a setup to get all of these characters involved so that the really mind-blowing storytelling is still ahead of us. And I hope we get to look back and and be like, see, guys, you complain all you want. A couple of years from now, we're watching like three or four series a year all intertwining. And basically, you're getting hours upon hours upon hours of a movie, quote unquote, all year long. And that's going to be amazing. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. it's all, it's all awesome. Right. It's all, it's all super fun. And in the aggregate, it is incredible. Like all of this, if you look at it together is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Think about what 10 years ago, it was just like, well, Star Wars is just done. We'll just maybe get something. So maybe we'll get a new video game. Maybe we'll get a cartoon. Like it was just basically mm-hmm. done. And now look at all this crap. It's insane, dude. Life mm-hmm. is awesome. Disney is awesome. Yes. I told you, Adam, and I joked about it. Like, I literally bought breakfast the other day that was more expensive than the last four episodes <laughs> of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And we, you know, I got to see Luke Skywalker. Young Luke Skywalker. Right? Yeah. I got to see, like, Return of the Jedi Luke. I got to see Din Djarin just go ham, cutting dudes in half with the Darksaber. I got to see Ahsoka Tano. I got to see Baby Yoda back in action. And yeah, I bought a bagel that was more expensive than all of that. So, and I ate <laughs> yeah. it. 
within like 15 minutes. And that so was So you don't over. even have so, it anymore. You didn't save yeah, it. Yeah, I don't even have it. It's <laughs> been now it's in a sewer gone. somewhere. <laughs> yes, it's been gone from my body for weeks. It wasn't a collectible a collectible bagel? It was not an NFT. Um, <laughs> Black Series bagel? So, you know, and, and that was, again, sure, I'm a bit of an apologist. Someone accused me of toxic positivity. God, this, is a, this is a term. Okay, what so, a concept. What a concept. So, um, you know, I, I look at it and I think, how could you be bummed about any of this? Right. Like how, and, and they, they made Book of Boba Fett during a pandemic <laughs> in yeah. secret, largely, because no one knew that they were making this. You remember like season finale happened and the John Favreau went on Good Morning America and was like, oh, hey, uh, we're working on the Book of Boba Fett. They dropped it at the end of the freaking season. Like you got yeah. Luke revealed and then they were like, Boba Fett walks in and just blasts Bib Fortuna and was like, oh yeah, by the way, we've had a show that we've been filming this whole time. During a pandemic, in secret, I truly think we're only going up from here if you think Boba Fett was going down. That's yeah. what I think. That's 100% my take. Well, let's talk more next week when we recap the entire series. Oh, lastly, who saved Grogu? That's a loose end. Mm. We can speculate about that. Again, I could repeat myself again, <sighs> but that's, that's just hanging there. So How the theories go. I mean, maybe let's just say they put... This setup in the book of Boba Fett because the next series that's coming out is Kenobi, and maybe we get an answer there. That would be beautiful. That would mm. be absolutely beautiful. It's a very possible. I mean, I personally think Grogu actually killed all the clones, mm. and that was like that's a dip into the dark side. And a little dark baby boy, right? Right. And then someone saw it and was like, "Ooh, you might be of use, little tiny evil Yoda." Um. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Kenobi tie-in. I'm I'm personally kind of hoping we we're done with that, with Grogu being like a byline through most of this because I think that there's plenty for us to to work with with Kenobi on his own. But again, for sure, it's a great time to be a nerd. So bring it on. All right, let's wrap this up. We've gone long, and I need to edit this thing, and get it out tonight before I go to bed. You don't want to talk about the Kenobi poster being released for like the next oh, hour? Oh God. Well, I would love to. There's nothing to talk about. It's just a poster. <laughs> it's out May 25th. It's happening. So pumped. I'm sure there's a YouTube video of someone talking about it for 25 minutes, breaking <laughs> down the poster. Here's what we've seen. His robes are tattered. <laughs> what does that mean? Let's look into that. Make sure you smash that like. If you want more on that, go to YouTube and find somebody <laughs> and smash their like button. We just have to figure out where we want to watch it. Because that's right before celebration. So yep. literally the day before. So we'll be in town. Come on, Nick. Let's go to Scum and Villainy. If you want to follow this podcast on social media, though, if you want to do that, you can follow us on Instagram at ThankTheMakerPod. We're on Twitter at ThankTheMaker. We're on TikTok as of uh, this past week at ThankTheMakerPod as well. There's only two on there. More to come. Check that out at ThankTheMakerPod. I don't know how else to say TikTok. I think that's just what you say. Is that what the youths say? That's how they say it. TikTokery. <laughs> nice. Yeah, get down with our TikTokery over there. My stuff is all at Adam the Skull. All my social media is at Nick Bayside, and I'm having an absolute blast doing the Radio Radio Show. Episode 32 is out right now, and you can listen to that on Spotify, where actually on this week's episode, I kind of make fun of Spotify a little bit, just for all their shenanigans. I back it. (laughs) Speaking of shenanigans, I've got lots of shenanigans with Etsy, where you can find me, Honda Supply. Uh, And uh, yeah, the Armor Party podcast, like Adam said. I'm having a ton of fun with it. I hope you were able to listen to the episode with Brian Muir, the sculptor of Darth Vader. And uh, that was really cool. And it's been just awesome connecting with people who have made amazing things, famous or not. It's a great show. So check us out at Armor Party Show and find Hondo Supply on Instagram and at Twitter. You can also get more Star Wars content from the Thank the Maker Network with the Princess and Scoundrel podcast, a podcast all about Galaxy's Edge and Disney Park going. They are at Princess and Scoundrel Show on Instagram. I think it's at Princess and Scoundrel Show on TikTok as well. If not, you can find it via Instagram. Regardless, it's a good podcast. There's also um, a YouTube version. So yes. Princess and Scoundrel with the and symbol, not and. Ampersand. That seems to matter with the, with the search lately. And if you want to support this podcast, patreon.com slash thankthemakerpod is where you can go to do that. Shout out to all the new patrons. Shout out to the patrons hanging out with us right now at the Jedi Council tier as we record this. 
check it out. Patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod. It really, really actually helps us continue to do this. This is my part-time job. Real talk. Dudes, thanks for hanging. Hell of a show. Glad to recap it with you. Hopefully Ryan recovers from whatever ailment he has. And we'll see you next week. Till then, may the force be with you. Thank you.